Greetings from the Candy Colored Studio, where life is sweeter in candy color. I'm oil painter Katrina Berg, and I'm so glad you're here. I'll be chatting with you from my Midway, Utah home, serving up a palette of support, hope, and love with a side of realness. As a mother of five, including five-year-old twins, I know too well that life is rarely easy and jolly, but savoring the sweet moments gives us the strength we need to find peace, growth, and fulfillment along our journey. Again, so happy you're here and welcome. I'm getting on a podcast, so don't make noise. Welcome back to the Candy Colored Studio. You guys, we have the yummiest episode ever coming at you from New York City. And I am so excited to introduce you to my friend, Tara Bench. And you guys, she's the best. Um, there's so many things I could say, but Tara, I have a beautiful um, like professional introduction of you. And then I have a really funny college story. Oh my gosh. Okay. I know. And that you don't even know about. So I'm really excited. So which one do you want me to share? Share first. Uh, you decide. Maybe we should start with the college one. So then, okay, <laughs> okay, let's do the college that. one. Okay, so Tara and I were freshmen together in the dorms at Brigham Young University back in the fall of '95. So. <laughs> this is. It's been a few moments, but I have to say, Tara, you look exactly the same. Oh. Absolutely gorgeous. You sound the same to me. Like it's just so much fun, you guys. It's so great. So, um, funny story. <laughs> this is kind of crazy, but okay. So Tara and I, we were not only, we lived near each other in the dorms, but we were also in the same, uh, church like congregation. So we were in the same ward. Okay. And, um, there were more girls than boys as is with life, right? Like just, just funny how those things work out, but we actually had a really fun ward. So many fun people in there. In fact, we have a Facebook group and we like still keep in touch every once in a while. And recently one of the cute girls shared Tara's book on there. It was so cool. But, um, so when we were, <laughs> so I, my roommates and I, or I should just say roommate. And then like, you know, the girls that live by me, we were a little bit, um, guy crazy as most of us were. And so one day we decided, I don't know how we came up with this idea, but this is what we did. We got one of the girls from the floor above us to come down and to help us with our scheme. And so we pretended that we were, um, well, she pretended that she was calling from the daily universe. Was that the name of our university? Mm -hmm. newspaper. Okay. So she pretended she was calling from the daily universe and she called every single boy on our list that was in our board. Okay. And we had three questions. We, t <laughs> this is so bad. This is so bad. Okay. So we told them that we were doing a survey and we were doing it on dating and we wanted to know what their ideal date would be that they would take a girl on. And so it was so sweet. These boys got on there and they poured out their hearts, Tara. They like had all these like dream dates. And then, um, I can't remember. There were, there were three questions, but the, the most important question was we said, okay, in your board, if tell us three girls that you would like to take out on a date. Now, this should have been the red flag, right? This should have been, okay, this is totally not real. Not daily universe, right. Oh, but no. They just spilled their guts. They spilled. <laughs> I don't remember this at all. Because we didn't tell anyone. Because I think our consciences got the better of us. And so we told nobody. 
you are like the fifth or sixth person that even knows about this. Is this so crazy? So just so you know, I am going to put out our interview in the Facebook page. Yeah. So the will be like, so what? I answered that phone call. So the best part, Tara, is that they gave us their top three choices of girls they wanted to date. And out of all the cute girls that they named, there were about three names that kept, came, kept coming up. And yours was one of them. <laughs> Not a surprise, not a surprise, but you guys, um, just so you know, Tara has been a hot ticket for a long time, not just because yeah. she's a beautiful person inside and out, not just because she does amazing <laughs> things in the kitchen and in the newspaper, in the I'm magazine. the only one in the ward that's never been married. Oh, <laughs> come on. No, I don't think that's true. Well, we may have to do a survey, but I'm pretty sure that's, that's not true. Oh, that's so funny. Is that hilarious? So that is, um, that is kind of like juicy, juicy, crazy college stories that seriously, I, um, we kind of took to our college grave. We did not tell anyone, but just so you know, you are very loved and admired. Thanks. Thanks. So, so that's ago. my funny, funny. I Is that crazy? Like, I just, I mean, these sweet boys, just so you know, they're all amazing. You guys, we, we they treat were, them like it was fun. They was fun. And they were such kind, kind boys. And, um, yeah. Anyways. Okay. So I'm going to read to you <laughs> Tara's professional right. um, introduction. No, okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so Tara has spent more than 20 years in the food publishing industry, creating recipes and articles and food styling for various magazines, books, television, and advertising. Most recently, she has been the food and entertaining director of Ladies Home Journal magazine, which is like an icon in itself. Prior to working at the journal, another icon, Tara was a food editor at Martha Stewart Living Kids and Weddings magazines. She has appeared on the Martha Stewart television show, the Today Show, and on the Food Network as a show judge and contestant. So, I mean, this is just a little snippet of all the amazing things that Tara has done. And I I hope that we get to give you a little bit more of a peek. And I know that a lot of you listening already know Tara and love her and adore her just like I do. And so this will be a lot of fun because hopefully we'll get to share some, um, just some personal things that maybe you may not know about Tara. So I'm really excited. Tara, thank you so much for being here. Thanks. Thank you for having me. And isn't it fun to see where old friends go? I mean, you've got a wall behind you of your amazing art and a family to show off. And we've just gone in so many different fun directions and I love catching up with you. So thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, this is like, this has just been such a exciting thing. In fact, I was talking to, I don't know if you remember Jen Searcy and Nancy Andrek, mm -hmm. um, but I talked to them recently and I told them, I was like, I'm gonna interview Tara <laughs> and I'm so excited. And, and they were so excited. They were so excited to hear um, about your cookbook and everything. So it's, it's really fun. It's fun to see all these connections and a lot of people that we knew have moved back to Utah. So I feel like it's interesting, even though I don't see them, I, you know, and I don't get to see you other than online. I feel like we're still connected in a good way. So it's been fun. 
It's been fun. Okay, so let's let's jump in here. We've got some really great questions for you guys. I'm excited for you to hear um, from Tara. And just so you know, if you're listening from Podcast Land, this episode is also on YouTube, and so you can actually watch. And um, it's going to be really really fun. So let's talk about your passion. So tell us about when your passion for food emerged, and maybe give us a little background about yourself, your family, how they've supported you in your pursuits. Yeah. So I, my passion for food, I don't know when it started. I have loved cooking and being in the kitchen since I was very, very young. I I mean, the classic story is I had an easy bake oven and I was always in the kitchen with my mom, just trying to help and be there. And then I got an easy bake oven and I could create my own little mini cakes and muffins. And I loved that. And I love the satisfaction of what was the end result. And also, as I got older, I mean, cooking was enjoyable. Yes, my mom was busy making weeknight dinners every, you know, every day. And I'm sure that was hard for her and a lot of work. But she would always involve me if I wanted to be involved. And if I wandered into the kitchen, she'd give me a task. And so I just grew up cooking by her side. And it was never a chore. It was never, oh my gosh, we have to cook again. So I got that sense of love of cooking from my mom and both grandmothers cooked and it was always a family affair. So it's just always been something that I enjoyed. Um, And so when I went to school, I thought, well, I enjoy that. I want to make a career of something that I like. So I went into food science and realized that wasn't cooking. It was <laughs> so I um, I transferred schools. We you know we met at school, and then I transferred to Utah State and um, finished my degree in culinary arts. So that's kind of the path. But it was always just from childhood. I loved food. That is so amazing, and I love one thing that I've loved. I'm just going to show you guys right now. Um, here, look at that. See, double, double everywhere. Um, one of the things that I have loved about your cookbook is reading about the connections to your family and friends and the people, um, even just like neighborhood bakeries and restaurants that you've, um, been inspired by a lot of these recipes. And so that is something really special. You can tell that, um, Obviously, the Easy Bake Oven was such an amazing start, but it was also just these relationships with your mom, with your family, the people that you're cooking for. And I can, I can not only feel it throughout the cookbook, but it's something that I've noticed just from following you on, um, on your website and on social media. Like you can totally tell that it's such a connection. And I think that that's such a beautiful thing because, I mean, there's so many wonderful things that we can go after in life, but I can tell that it has been always at the heart to make sure that it's all about the people in your life and those relationships. So that doesn't surprise me when you talk about where it all came from. So, yeah. So obviously, so you started at the Y, you went to Utah state and then tell us a little bit more about your career journey, because obviously I feel like right after you graduated, you went straight off and had that dream job to go work with Martha. So tell us about that, the ladies home journal, anything else you want to share about your path? Oh, thanks. Yeah, it was, it was an unexpected path. I, um, I did, I was in school and studying culinary arts and minoring in journalism. And I honestly didn't know where that would take me, but I knew I liked to cook. 
and I knew um, I didn't want to work in restaurants. So that was, that was something that sort of led me to where I ended up was I was in culinary school and I took, you know, magazines to my chef and I said, who made the food in these magazines? And he was like, I don't know. So I asked several of my professors in my, in my college and, and school and, you know, I want to make the food that's in these magazines that I love. And nobody really knew. Finally, one of my professors came to me and she said, I think it's a food stylist. And she had ripped out a page from a trade magazine and it was about food styling and making food for photography. And it was about using Crisco for ice cream and glue for milk and, and then making it look like food for publication. And I was like, okay, but you know, in food and wine and Bon Appetit, I was like, I don't think that's Crisco. And I was like, somebody makes this food. So it was a journey and so interesting because nobody really knew where I went to school. Nobody knew many options. And so I figured it out. It was, yes, food styling was part of it, but all of these magazines had test kitchens with food editors. And I thought, okay, let me see how I can get there and what that's all about. And I had to do an internship after graduating. So I called almost every magazine in the country and I said, can I come and intern in your test kitchen? And everyone turned me down except for, if you can believe it, the test kitchen director at Martha Stewart magazine. And she said, well, you can come out and interview. So I did. I, um, it was the spring before I graduated and my sweet mom came with me and we flew to New York. I'd never been here before, stayed in a hotel I went to the Martha Stewart offices to interview the next day and I had bought a suit, you know, and and I was all ready for my big interview and I knew I had to cook for them. So I had created a very fancy menu that I would cook that day. It was a cooking interview and I made it for them and Susan Sugarman was the test kitchen director and she was unimpressed. And then throughout the day, it was a whole day of interview and she gave me cooking tasks and I had to make this layer cake and I had to chop an onion to medium dice and I had to cook pasta al dente and an omelet and all these things that would show my cooking skills. And needless to say, I didn't do very well on any of them. But at the end of the day, she said, well, you're a nice person and you know, I don't know. I have to think about this. So I basically begged her. I said, I'm a fast learner. I've never been in a test kitchen before. Please take a chance on me. Yeah. And I flew back to Utah, not knowing what would happen. And three days later, she called and said, you can come and be an intern. So that was a long story for what happened and what got me to New York and got me into magazines. And I was the bottom of the barrel intern in the test kitchen at Martha Stewart. Wow. And I just went from there and I was a fast learner because I loved it because I was passionate about it and I wanted to soak it all in. And so I grew with the business. So after my internship, they hired me as a freelancer. So they hired me per day. And after a few months of doing that, they hired me as an editor 
So I just kind of stayed there and grew with the company and grew in my position and learned everything there. So several years later, I was there for six years and through certain circumstances, Martha had gone to jail by then and come back. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's another story. But I just started to freelance and do my own thing and left Martha Stewart and enjoyed that quite a bit. Uh, and then landed at Ladies Home Journal fortuitously. I became the food director at Ladies Home Journal and it was very different. So at Ladies Home Journal, it was more of a, what we call a women's service magazine. And Martha Stewart was what we call a lifestyle magazine. It had food, it had decorating, it had everything, but it was very kind of high end. And so women's service had all of those things, but it was very much relating to a home cook and a, a, a person at home, whether it was a man or a woman, you know, mostly women, but it was real down and dirty cooking, fun food. I got to be very creative and got to cook what I like to make and share it with these millions of readers. So I just got a passion for that and a passion for publishing and, and sharing food and sharing my recipes. So that was my, I just keep talking, Katrina. So you can oh, up, but, I'm so yeah. summing it all up. I totally am. Um, there's so many things, first of all, you know, Obviously you and I weren't besties, but I always knew that you knew what you wanted and I knew that you were determined. Is that funny that even like, I could totally tell, cause again, I hate to say it, but I'm bringing back the boys. There were so many boys that wanted to date you and you were always really like, no, I'm not going to lead you on. I'm only going to go out, go out with you if I really want to. And that was rare for our situation. I was the dumb girl that just said yes to everybody. And yet Again, look at where it's taking you because you didn't, I mean, none of your professors even saw where you wanted to go. They didn't even know how to get you there. And yet your persistence, your determination, your knowledge of what it was that you really loved doing and your innate gifts that you could bring to the table, you needed to work hard to figure out how to share those because they didn't make it easy for you. <laughs> I think that there's a lot more people that because of women like you, because there's been people that have taken that path, they've made it more apparent. But I think that, um, yeah, they're just, I'm just trying to think of anyone else I know that really, um, jumped in it as early as you did. And I think it's just because the tenacity that you had, I'm just like, <laughs> Well, I'm really impressed. I'm better than I am. You make me sound awesome. No, but no, but it's true. Well, and, and the truth is too, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, but I have to say both my parents were so supportive of yeah. me going to school and um, saying, study something you enjoy yeah. because that will probably be what you do for a career for maybe the rest of your life. And you know, I think we were young and I don't think it was stupid to have fun and date anyone and all of that. We were there to enjoy that time of life. Sure. And I think I had a very different perspective of how my life would go. Yeah. Um, I absolutely didn't think I would ever be living in New York or have as long of a career as I've had. Uh, but yeah, I did have drive. I did have that passion for pursuing what I liked. Uh, rather than just get it, get schooling done, put it behind me type of thing. 
Totally. And I think it's so great too, to talk about how your parents really shaped a lot of those and gave you permission to go after things that you really enjoyed. Because I think a lot of times, um, kids today, <laughs> we go to school and it was also for our generation, but I think a lot of times we go to school because we have to go to school. We go to school because our parents are paying for it. Um, we go to school because we think it's the only option. And, um, I think, yeah, I think it's important to keep all those things in mind, but also have a really good support group. And you definitely had that great support to just help you figure it out. Like you knew what you liked to do, but you didn't know <laughs> the position to, to really help you fulfill that. So, right. Right. so all the props to Tara's mom and dad. I know. I know. Seriously, <laughs> that's so awesome. Um, okay, so what it so along these lines, what advice would you give to aspiring chefs or cooks or bakers, food stylists, anything like that when it comes to schooling, internships? Well, you know, it's uh more than 20 years later from when I was exploring what world I could go into and it is different. The path is different and there's so many different ways to get to where I am and to get to where you want to be. Um, I think now when I started blogging didn't even exist. I mean, cell phones didn't really exist, you know, none of this. And I think now I I'm in the blogging world. I, I own a blog, I run a blog and I never thought I would, but I watched so many of these successful food bloggers and they had a completely different path than I did, yet they have taught themselves how to do food styling, how to create recipes and share them with masses of people. And so that's a path and it's very much self-taught. And there's also the path of culinary school. There's um, the route of, uh, you know, a lot of people will call me and say, hey, can I assist you on photo shoots? Can I come and shadow you? That's a great way to do it. Just start at the bottom and work up. I think no matter where you start, um, and I, I, I think I knew this when I was young, but I always like to rem remind people of it, is you kind of do need to start at the bottom and work up. There's no direct path to, hey, I want to become a magazine food editor, or I want to write a food column, or I want to uh, have a blog, a really successful blog. There's no direct path. You have to take steps, whatever those steps are, and they're not always the same, to get there. And, and each of those steps is an experience. It's learning. It's making mistakes. It's trying something different. And I just say, keep taking those steps. Like, try a different direction. Try a new way. And I, I love it. I have people that call me or email me all the time that say, can I just sit down with you and talk about, you know, what advice would you give me? Or this is the path that I want to go on. And I'm no expert, and I always remind them, I had my own path, it was many years ago, and I'm still forging a path that I never thought I would be on, and doing things I never thought I would do, um, but I'm moving forward. I'm saying, okay, I have to learn this, I have to start at the bottom. Even though I have all of this experience, I have to start at the bottom over here and learn that. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, thank you. So much goodness in there. Um, I love how you talked about the path because it's true. Nobody's path is the same. And even if two people were to come and have lunch with you and to get your knowledge and to hear the exact same advice, 
most likely their paths are still going to go so divergent, which is great. It's great because when it comes down to it, your path is made for you. And clearly, Tara, you forged your path and you found the path that was right for you. And I love that. I absolutely love that. I also, uh, I don't know, there were just so many good things that you shared in there about just starting from the bottom and it takes work and it's real easy to think that somebody just made it overnight, but rarely does that happen? Usually there's so much that happens in the background on the sidelines that you don't see. Um, I mean, how many of you, this is the first time that you've got to hear about Tara in this way. You've been watching her, you've been reading her blog or watching her social media. And yet how many of you actually realized all the work that it takes to get to where Tara is right now? Or or anyway, right. I mean, you didn't start making beautiful art right away. It was like, oh, let me try this or let me find my style. Let me hone this skill and, and figure it out, right? Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. No, it's awesome. So this kind of ties in with our next question. Um, obviously, I think you can tell, but I'm so, so very, very giddy for all of your success. And it's been a complete treat to watch you over the years. And yet I know that for many struggling right now, it's really easy to be tempted to think again, that you're lucky that, and not understand how much time and work it took for you to get here. So, um, I think too, that it's real easy to think that everyone else has it easier than we do. And we think that the hardships that we're facing, we're the only ones facing them. And it's impossible to know some of these hard things that we all have faced in order to become or to follow this path that you're talking about, Tara. So what do you wish that you could say today to anyone that's feeling less than, or just, or even your freshman self, what would you share with them? I, that's a great question. A lot in there, right? There's um, all sorts of advice and I don't have it. I don't have the best advice. And I'll say that right now. I think I'm still learning. Um, Like you said, I think it's really easy to look at somebody on the outside and see their success in certain things, see the good things that they're putting out there and not know what's behind it. So Right. Many people don't know. Yes, I was magazine food editor for many years and now I have a blog and a new cookbook and I'm just still working in this world of food. But over the last few years, I've actually made a complete career change, which is sort of hidden in the world of technology. So when I was an editor, I had nothing to do with online, web, social media, nothing. Because as an editor, we had a web department. We had everyone took, you know, somebody else took care of the website and all of that. So in the last several years, I've had to learn all of that. I've had to learn how to build a website, how to write online, how to do keywording and SEO and uh, what that means and what plugins are for a website and how to share my content in different ways let alone I've had to learn, you know, all the social media platforms that we're on every day, but in a business sense, it's very different. And it's been a lot of learning. It's like, I've been running a business, but also been going to school at the same time. You know, I do, I take courses and I read things and I test things out. And I have to admit, I never really liked school. (laughs) So I was happy to be out of it. And I've, I've really had to 
you know, quote unquote, go back to school for this new um, sort of career path that I've taken. And I guess that's maybe what I would tell my freshman self is it kind of never ends. You don't just sort of start in something and become an expert. And then you're like, hey, this is great. I love this. I'm going to do it for the rest of my life. Um, I've been really surprised at how, how much, how big the turns are that I've made. But still, if you look at me from the outside, it's still, I cook for a living. I love food. I'm in that world. But yeah, I, I would also say, um, and I, you know, I relearn this every few years. You get to choose your own attitude. You get to choose how you feel about your experiences. You know, if something happens to you or you have an experience that's really hard or sad, um, you know, rather than going into, woe is me, why did this happen to me? You get to say, okay, what am I going to learn from this? How can I still pick up and go and put myself together? So whether it's personal life or career, I've had to do that so many times. And every time it's a choice, you, you get to say, okay, that was really hard. And now I'm going to move on. Absolutely. Oh, well, I, you're totally right. And it's, it's interesting to see the pivot. I think about how when you were working for the Ladies Home Journal or for Martha, your whole job was to support them. And so again, you didn't need to know the web stuff because you're right. You had people that were doing that, but the whole focus was to support the journal or to support Martha. And now that you're doing your own thing, you do need to have, you, you've got to have that foundation under you because now those recipes before it, yeah, we might see your name, like this is by Tara Bench, but um, now everything is, is by you, you know, the whole, right. yeah. So it is, it's a big change. It's a huge change. And I think, um, yeah, I don't think people realize that that is a major shift, mm -hmm. such a major shift. And so, and you're right. I feel the same way. <laughs> I keep telling my kids, I'm like, whatever you choose to do, like get through school because there's a whole rest of your life of learning, right? Because it's just, it's, but the difference is you get to choose. And just like you were saying, you can either decide it's happening to you or it's happening for you. And so you can look at all those things and say, okay, I now get a chance to have my own blog and my own website and write my own cookbooks and do my own thing. So I'm going to have to learn all this, but it's going to be good because it's going to help me be able to serve my people better. Right. And that sounds good, right? It's like, okay, good motivation, good like life lessons. I still have meltdowns once a week. I still, you know, go into that like, why? But, you know, it's I, I it's just something that I like to remind myself that, okay, this is an experience and what, what can I take from it? Oh, absolutely. And just you know, just to give you a little behind the scenes. So Tara and I, I mean, I was on here about 20 minutes before our interview and just making sure everything was ready. And yet we get on here and my settings were all messed up, you guys. And so we're actually recording this on Tara's Zoom because fortunately Tara knows how to run Zoom. And so instead of spending another half hour to an hour figuring out what's going on, we just launched it through her. And so I think again, <laughs> it, it goes back to the, 
yeah, it happens. It totally happens. And, and yeah, like I was definitely having a meltdown inside. <laughs> it was happening. But at the same time, like Tara was able to take all the things she's learned and make the situation better. And she was, we were able to just switch to her platform and it was totally fine. And so again, you know, I think that sometimes you think, you know, where, where are these going to take me? And you just never know what one little thing is going to help a situation that you really have no control over. So way to go. Learn Katrina Wright team effort. I, I think I couldn't have gotten where I was without, like I've talked about the support of my parents and family and really good friends, that support. I mean, like you said, uh, you know, I, I had a job where I was supporting another brand, another company, and now it's on me and I have to pay to get support, (laughs) you know, and if it weren't for friends and family that really, um, jump in and, and love me through this and support me in any way they can, gosh, it's so nice to have that circle around you. Oh, I love that. Yes, it's totally true. I feel the same way. So let's talk about another topic, which is, again, it's similar because I think that um, you've talked a lot about the support that we have, but I think that as women, especially, there's there's so many things that are important. There's so many um, things that we feel like we need to give our attention to, but when it comes down to it, we only have 24 hours in each day. So we have to be careful. We have to make intentional choices. We have to give some things up. And I know that it must be hard for you because your family is so far away in Utah and other places, I'm sure. But what are some things that you give up as a woman, a daughter, a sister, an aunt, a friend to pursue this passion and this life that you've chosen? Good question. I, um, that's a constant thing I think about, right? Is every day you get to decide what's my priority, what is, you know, filling my hours. And yeah, I think I don't look at it necessarily as what I've given up. I look at it as how can I fit all of this in my life? And it doesn't all have to fit in one 24 hour period. Right. So I don't know, Katrina, I don't think I've intentionally given anything up. Yeah. Um, I've had experiences come my way and great things come my way, but I still make it a priority to travel home and see my niece and nephews and my family and spend time with them. So those parts of me are very fulfilled and thank goodness for FaceTime. I love FaceTime so much. So yeah, when I moved to New York away from my family, it was the landline and it was long distance and you'd pay for it. Right. And then finally it was cell phones. And many years later, many years later, it was FaceTime. And now I, I get to see my family and friends all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you, you made it a priority uh, when communication wasn't so accessible yeah. you made it a priority in different ways, right? Yeah. It's like, okay, yeah, I'm going to make this long distance phone call. And gosh, that made my week. You know, it was like once a week or something. Um, and then as far as other things in life, I, I don't know that I chose one thing over the other. I just had opportunities that I pursued and didn't have other opportunities. Yeah. So 
I pursued the ones I had, right? Yeah. Well, and I think too, I mean, you talked a lot about priorities and it goes back again to your relationships and those have always been a high priority. So I think you're right. You didn't necessarily have to choose or give those things up because they were always a priority and important to you. And so I think that, like you said, you set aside the time to make those phone calls on the landline, just like you set aside time to FaceTime your family and your friends and make sure that you stay connected to them so that you don't have to give up those relationships, which are obviously very important to you. And I think that, um, I don't know, I think that that's, that's a huge, um, I don't know, just it's okay to share and to make time for the things that matter most. And I think that that's yeah. something that you've totally done. And it may just look different than you had in your head or your expectations. But once you take those expectations and say, okay, that's just an expectation and it may look different and that's okay. Yeah. You know, it, I'm not living next door to my family. I'm not, I don't have a family of my own. And it just looks different than what I had in my head. And it's It's good. Totally. Yeah, it totally does. And it's good. And I think too about your pivot that you made. So obviously you, you gave them up, right? Like that, how did you know it was time to pivot and say, okay, this has been a great experience, but now I have this other opportunity. So how, like, how did that happen? Like, how did you just, yeah. So I've been lucky to make a few pivots and I have to say, I, I like change. I think change is fun, but it's not always easy. Sometimes hard. Um, so each pivot was a little bit different. When I left Martha Stewart, it was time. I had sort of hit what we say is a ceiling. I wasn't going to get promoted anymore. I was a senior food editor. I had hit my ceiling there. And so to stay there would have just put me in this flat line. And I felt that it was a, it was a almost visceral feeling of uh, it's time to make a change. And I didn't know what that change would be. And it was very scary because it was my first big change in my career since college. You know, that was my first job. And so it was scary. It was, was a lot emotionally and just everything. I remember quitting Martha Stewart, not knowing what I was going to do and just kind of taking like three months and just being like, uh, (laughs) what's, what's next. But because I had worked so hard there, I had a lot of connections. I had a lot of talent and skills that I had developed and opportunities started coming my way. Photographers started calling me and saying, hey, can you come and food style on this shoot? And hey, we'd like to work with you. So I just fell into my next role, which was a freelance food stylist. And I loved it. And I didn't intentionally make a pivot after that either. Uh, The editor of Ladies Home Journal came to me and said, hey, we need a temporary food editor. Could you just temporarily come and, and be the food editor. And so I was like, sure, it's just another temporary job. I'll do it. And I kind of fell in love with it being there for a few months and they liked me and they ended up hiring me. So that pivot again, just was me taking an opportunity and not shutting anything down. Yeah. Um, But I had to learn a lot. You know, now I was the food director of a magazine And it was a very different role. I was a manager and I had to learn, you know, the goods and bads of being a manager and how I wanted to be. And 
then <laughs> that pivot was given to me the next one because ladies home journal closed. So I didn't choose that. I loved that job. I probably would have stayed forever. Um, But we all have that, right? We all have job loss or a big change, a family change where we're like, uh, we have to totally switch things up here. So again, I was in a position where I had created contacts and and, um, I had relationships within my industry. And so I just started freelancing again and realized I still wanted to share my stuff, my recipes with lots of people. And you can't do that when you're just cooking at home. So I started a website and through the help of a friend, remember I talked about friends and family supporting me, through the help of a friend who was very generous with her knowledge and time, she said, hey, create a blog, make a blog, do do this, get into web. This is how this can be a brand. This can be a business. And I dragged my feet for a while on that pivot. It was really hard because I was, I didn't know the industry. And so, like I said, I had to learn it all. And it was a huge challenge. Oh, it's so good though, because I think that what I'm hearing the most is that you gave up comfort. You gave up comfort when you left Martha and you hit that ceiling you thought, okay, I can go into the unknown and be yeah. uncomfortable, or I can stay here and be uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Either way, you're like, I have to give up that comfort. And I love how that, you know, that just in a way, like you were saying, that was more your choice. You chose that. Whereas with Ladies Home Journal, I mean, you had no control over them closing again, but you chose to listen to your friend and to dive in and to remember what it is that you love about what you do mm-hmm. and um, what you really can offer people. And I think that that's, that's amazing. Yeah. So many good things. Oh, thank yeah. you for sharing that. Um, okay. Well, let's, let's dive into the book. So we, we showed you a, for a second, but here's another um, <laughs> peek and you guys, it's, it's absolutely amazing. There are so many good things in here. Um, but tell us where, was there like a specific moment that you knew that you needed to write this cookbook? Such a good question because yes and no. Um, For many years, I had friends and and people, coworkers saying, you should write a cookbook. Why don't you write a cookbook? And I knew enough about writing cookbooks to know you don't (laughs) make money writing a cookbook. And it's a lot of work. So I I knew that. And I... I didn't know anything else. I didn't know how to do it, but I thought, hey, I've been, I've been in publishing for years. I've been writing magazines for years. I can do this. And several years ago, I met with a publisher it, who turned out to be my publisher now. And I met with them thinking, okay, maybe I'll write a book. You know, Let me talk to them. Let me see what it would be like. And they were excited to bring me on, and it just didn't feel right. And I have to say, Katrina, like, I'm very much about like women's intuition and following your heart and, and having the feelings of like not just making a decision based on a list and a checklist and that it was a feeling. It wasn't the right time. And I didn't know why everything was laid out in front of me ready, but it just didn't feel right. So it was maybe four, almost five years later when a friend who had published a book, not a cookbook, 
came to me and said, hey, your name came up in a meeting with my publisher and they'd love to talk to you again. And I thought, well, okay. You know, traditionally people have to write proposals and get an agent to get a publisher. And I thought, I've got a publisher that is willing to talk to me. So maybe I should think about this. So I did, I talked to them. And even though I had this feeling of, oh my gosh, this is big, this is a lot. It didn't feel wrong, it felt, it felt good. And so I thought, okay, this will shift my life right now in a lot of ways because I know this is going to be a lot of work. But I jumped in and I had a publisher who took a chance on me and it was time and they kind of gave me carte blanche. They said, write a cookbook, whatever you want. You can put whatever you want in it. And so that was fun. It was fun and really, I'm looking at it and one of the hardest things I've ever done too. So much work. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And again, like you said, you, it wasn't just like this whim, I'm going to write a book. Like you knew all the things that went into writing a cookbook specifically. And so, I mean, just, yeah, just as a, so people kind of understand like, what are, what are some of the things with the process that maybe they wouldn't know? So one of the things that I, in hindsight, realized was the biggest challenge for me was figuring out the chapters and the order of the content. Goodness, I can come up with recipes in my sleep. I mean, that's what I do, right? But when you put it into a book and you want people to turn the next page and be able to sort of almost read a cookbook and, and move through the pages, <clears throat> you know, I... That was hard. I had a list of all the recipes and all the good things I wanted to say in the book, but figuring out the order, the names of the chapters, how somebody would move through that book was so hard. So I did that. And obviously with the help of my editor, uh, she was very helpful in sort of helping me to hone that down. And uh, just wearing all the hats was hard. You know, I chose to do my own food styling and we shot it here in my studio, which is this room I'm in right now. And I had a dear friend, Ty Meekum, who did the photography. And I hired my friend Veronica Olson to do the prop styling. So there's a lot of team members that had to come together to make the beautiful images. And um, I chose to spend a lot more money than I got for the book on doing a picture for every recipe. So there were things, you know, decisions that had to be made, um, challenging things. I had to rewrite almost the entire book after the editor and I had some miscommunication about how I wanted the writing. And under deadline, I had to sort of rewrite the whole thing because it had been edited to smithereens. And that was really tough. So, yeah, just I learned a lot about book publishing. And it's interesting too, because I think that if you had had a different publisher or a different editor, that, that whole rewriting at the end may not have happened. And so I think, again, you just never know. <laughs> There's so many things that will unexpectedly come up. And I think that's important for people to realize is that even with all of your knowledge, with all your experience, with all your, you know, the writing and, and being connected with other people and the publishing that you were doing on a, a daily basis, um, you still couldn't predict 
that you, <laughs> some of this stuff that was going to happen. Yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. And I love that you talked about your team because again, that's something that I really admire about you is that you're not afraid to delegate. And I think that that is another way. Um, I think that's another way that you can make sure that you do the things that you need to do. Um, and so that you don't feel like you're giving things up, you're giving it to other people, you're delegating, and then you can focus on the things that only Tara can do. And I think that that's hard for us, especially as women. I think that we think that we have to do everything or it's not going to be done correctly. Right. And that's such a fallacy. Like do you have any like opinions about that? Or maybe tell us anything else that you've learned about why you have to have a team. I still struggle that with that. I still think, oh my gosh, this would be so much easier if I just cloned myself. Like I know what's in my brain, but it is the learning process of, of learning how to communicate to the people that you, you have helping around you. And I do, I have a team now. I have um, a project manager and I have uh, associates that help with my social media and my blog. And, um, you know, it is about bringing people on that, that you can trust. So that's a big thing. Um, and also I'm just big into communicating and saying, here's my vision, but being open to, do you see how I could do this a different way? Or what's your perspective? Because they're not going to do a good job unless they feel some sort of passion or ownership. And I've learned a lot by saying, I want your perspective. I want to learn from you because I already know how I want to do it, but it might not be the best way or the quickest way or, you know, that sort of thing. So it's a constant, um, you know, constant battle of saying, let me give the, let me surrender this. Right. And, and learn and see if there's a better way, but then also being bold enough to say, okay, this is what I want. And here's the direction. And I expect this, you know, so it's, it's a fine line and, and you do need help because I still, even though I have help and I delegate, I still wear a lot of hats. And so I think we all do. Like you said, as women, we wear a lot of hats anyway. Um, but owning your own business, you're putting on a few more and it's, it's been tough. I, it's, it's a struggle all the time. Oh, well, I think it's important for people to realize that because I think it is real easy to just see all the beauty and the goodness that you're putting out and they don't realize all, all that you're putting into it and all that your team puts into it. So thank you for sharing that. Um, let's, let's show them a little bit more. So obviously the title of your book is live life deliciously. I'm sorry. I should have said that before. Um, (laughs) by the way, yeah, I love it. There are so many great um, sections to the book. And I loved how you talked about how it was actually hard to figure out the, the order. And it's really easy for you to come up with recipes, to figure, but to figure out the flow of your book. And, and just so you know, I was really impressed with the flow and um, little parts, little sections that I'd never seen. Like, for example, one section that I really love is um, the new pantry staples. And I thought that was so great because I think a lot of times, especially right now, when everything is so uncertain, sometimes it's nice to say, okay, if I couldn't go to the store for the next couple of weeks, what are some things that I should have in my pantry that is going to allow allow me to live life deliciously. Yes, yes, totally. <laughs> if I have to hang out in my bunker for a couple of weeks, like what are some great things? Um, so yeah. So where did the inspiration for this particular section come from? 
Yeah, it's it's one of my favorites. So thanks for calling it out. I a lot of cookbooks will have a list of you know ingredients or a list of tools at the beginning, and this is clearly my opinion. But you know, we talk about pantry staples, having salt and pepper and olive oil and you know flour, sugar, whatever. But I think over the last several years, uh, cooking has changed. We're cooking a lot more ethnically in our homes. We're exploring new flavors that maybe we had at a restaurant and more flavors and seasonings and ingredients are accessible to us in our regular grocery stores. Mm -hmm. So really for me, pantry staples are completely different than we thought about 10 years ago. And, you know, a pantry staple for me is fish sauce or sweet chili sauce, Um, you know, different canned beans, different, you know, chutneys and jams and uh, different spices. We're cooking with turmeric and, you know, different ones than we may have reached for several years ago. You know, that oregano and rosemary that we have all the time. But these, these new flavors, you know, smoky chipotle, whatever it is, that's now what we cook with. And so why not have that as your pantry staple? And then you're creating really flavorful meals. You can still make your chicken meatballs, but now they've got Thai flavors in them and you can make a coconut curry instead of just, you know, your regular meatballs with tomato sauce, which is still delicious, but we, we have accessibility to so much more now. Yeah, totally. I, I love how you brought up the whole ethnic, you know, just the flavors, because it's true. I think that one of the benefits of becoming more of a, a world that's connected online is that we really, it's more easily accessible to cook all those wonderful things. I remember when we first got married, I was, we moved up to a really small town. So <laughs> there was no, there was no Thai restaurant. There was no Indian restaurant. And so I just started looking online for recipes to figure out how to make everything. And then when we, um, when we decided to build this house and we packed everything away and we just bought, brought the bare necessities and we were living in my mother-in-law's basement every month, I would buy more spices. <laughs> Yes, because yes. I thought that they, I thought I could pack them away, but the truth was, is I couldn't, like I couldn't live without those. And so every month I would get, um, my little, I get a lot of bulk stuff and, um, I would pull these things out. My mother-in-law would love to see what I was pulling out. And we made all kinds of bizarre things while we lived there, things she had never tasted before. But I think it's so funny because I think the problem is, and I'm sure Tara can attest to this, is that once you make them part of your pantry, like you can't go back. Once you've added some of these things to your, um, to your, I don't know, you're just your menu, you can't give those things up. And so a lot of these things that Tara mentions in the section, they can keep for a long time time on a shelf or in your Mm -hmm. fridge. It's not a big deal. So, um, and I love to, like, I looked at a lot of these things and I think you even talked about how you don't need to buy them all at once. You can just like gradually add things. And I think that that's really important for people to realize that you, and and maybe this was in your tool section, but either way, don't feel like you have to get everything all at once. Just every time you go to the store, buy one more little thing or once a month or whatever works in your budget. Absolutely. Absolutely. And one of those things I I think I did say in in the chapter where I talk about my favorite kitchen equipment and tools is, you know, people think of a food processor as something that is like a splurge. And I'm going to wait for a few Christmases and then maybe I'll ask for that or, or maybe I'll get it or when it's on sale. But for me, 
that is a tool that I use all the time and it helps me enjoy my time in the kitchen. It helps me enjoy cooking because it's that tool that gets things done. It, it allows me to make certain things very easily. So for me, that's, that's not a splurge. That's not a wait and get type of thing, but other things might be. So, you know, you decide what, what is helping you enjoy your time in the kitchen. And that's what I want to sort of teach people. Oh, I love it. Yeah, it's totally true. It's funny because we actually just bought a food processor. Nice. We had one. We had one for our, for as a wedding gift and um, it broke a few years ago. And we just kind of, you know, we did the best we could with our blend tech. And I think you yeah. even talk about that in there. But we finally just put in some money because, and I've used it every day since we bought it. Yeah. I've made different hummuses, which takes us to some of these great recipes. So today I, yesterday I soaked and cooked my, um, my beans for your, oh gosh, what's it called? Oh good, the, the bean, bean dip. The bean dip. Yeah. Right my screen and show people that are watching. Yes, let's do it. Okay. You, you get to see all the, the markups and such. Look at but. that. I mean, come on, you guys, if that doesn't make your mouth water, I mean, woo! I was so excited about that recipe. So like I said, that's what we're having for lunch today. We're going to have that um, with some yummy vegetables and things, but um, yeah, I don't, I just don't, I can't get the same. It's not as easy to do in my blend tech. So in that respect, it is nice to have, it is nice to have the food processor. Um, another thing that I was going to show you, um, so <laughs> Some of our listeners know that my daughter bakes. I don't think I've told you this, but um, so my daughter is, she just turned 14, Tara. Oh, and I, it's been so fun for me to share your cookbook with her because we share, we've shared cooking like forever. And it's something we called her cooker girl. That's one of her nicknames. And then also she's the dancer in our oh. house. We just, we have four boys and a girl. So she's our, <laughs> she's our dancer, but she d decided that she wanted to do more competitive dancing. And did you dance? I'm trying to remember. I, no, no, I'm not a dancer. <laughs> well, let me tell you, it's, it's really expensive, especially if you want to do competition, you want to do teams and do all these events and stuff. And so we told her that if she wanted to do that, she needed to help out and she needed to be more a part of her, um, her dance career, whatever. And so she decided to start baking. So she bakes once a week and, um, we baked these together. Yesterday. Oh, oh my I gosh. They, I've been smelling, <laughs> I've been smelling them the whole time. Okay. So look at that. Is no, that or, not, or those are the ginger snaps. These are the soft ginger snaps. And Oh my goodness. Everyone was so excited about them. So these are going to be the ones that Anna Claire is going to cook later this week oh, for nice. her people. Oh, I love those. So that's going to be fun. So she just cooks once a week. Isn't that fun? So she just bakes okay. once a week and takes whatever, whatever's on the menu to yes. whoever orders. And then these are the lime. Oh, um, yes. I, I think I made them a little bit too big, but, um, <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Almost as you big as want me. a giant cookie, but those are so good, right? They're really intense oh. lime with a little lime glaze on them. So, oh, how fun! I love that you tried them. Mm, they're so good. They're both so so good. And so, um, one thing that I liked about when you talked about the soft ginger snaps, you talked about—I can't remember if it was—I think I read about it in the book. But you talked about how is that? You didn't, but say it again. Oh, it was my great aunt's recipe that I sort of changed. Yeah, it was your great aunt's recipe. And then also that you guys didn't necessarily just eat it around holiday times. Cause I think a lot of times we think that the ginger snaps is a holiday cookie, but you guys would have it like during the summer. I swear I read that somewhere. 
Yes. I, I mean, maybe it was on your, on your Instagram. Yeah. We would have it all the time and, and they weren't necessarily, I can't see it. <laughs> oh, it looks so good. Seriously. It looks so good. Yes. They aren't necessarily a holiday cookie at my house. It was just this delicious cookie that we would have anytime. So yeah, it's fun. Yeah. So, uh, yesterday, I, I don't know, your family told, probably told you it snowed here. We got a lot of snow. Yes. And so we decided we're going to start Christmas, but I'm telling you these cookies, if you're feeling a little bit down from all the stuff that's happening and, um, holidays bring you up, <laughs> just make them every, every week. It doesn't matter because just like Tara said, it doesn't have to be a holiday cookie. And I think those will totally liven your spirits. Um, yeah. They're so soft. And I think that's what I love about it is they're soft. And I'm not really a, a snack. Like I, I don't like the hard cookies as much as I like the soft cookies. Right. Me too. Me too. So, so they're, yeah, they're it's really delicious. Pandemic attitude changer, right? Is that what you're saying? Right. Yeah, totally. I think it is a, it's a little bit of a remedy for so many of us. And I think that it's been really apparent on social media. Everyone's been making, what are they making? They're making sourdough. sourdough baking. Um, yeah. Baking, a lot of baking, a lot of sourdough. You're probably seeing it more than I am, but um, I, I really think that that just find find a comforting food like the curry recipe that you have in here. Very very easy, like you said, the curry paste as a, as a staple. You can make a curry dish super fast, and that'll be really great during this winter. And really, we eat curry. It doesn't matter how hot it is outside. Yeah. Yeah, we like it no matter what. But I think it'll be a comfort to a lot of you that are struggling right now. Um, what's another fun one that I was thinking about? Um, yeah, what what? Tell us a favorite, maybe one of your most surprising recipes that you decided to include. Oh, good question. Um, you know, I think what I, one of the the chapters that I have in there is called weeknight routines and. So I, I have a enter, more entertaining chapter where it's meals that might take a little longer. You might want to make them on a weekend or for, you know, a, a bigger family or a crowd. But I also have meals that I want people to have in their weeknight repertoire, you know, kind of make it once. You might have to learn how to make it that one time, but then you, you are going to be making it once a month and love it. And the weeknight routines are you you have a recipe but you can I show you how to use it two different ways or in two different preparations and so one of the we talked about curry but um obviously we we use rotisserie chicken all the time or you roast a chicken and so I show you how to use that for several different meals or if you roast pork and make pulled pork carnitas you know I have nachos made out of tater tots who doesn't like tater tots you know so i show you how to use things multiple ways and i want you to mark in this book i want you to write in this book and come up with your own ways saying oh my gosh i love these burgers with mushrooms in them you know oh maybe i'll make meatballs out of them or something um so i i that was a passion for me is sort of sharing with people that they can make these recipes their own. They can sort of um, add to their favorites, uh, their own list favorites. But I'm going to share my screen and show you. It, it's not a weeknight dinner, but it's one of my favorite unexpected recipes that I just loved putting in here. It was a butterboard. And I, I simply said, hey, I love 
I love cheese boards and charcuterie boards and snack boards, but I also just love a crispy baguette with butter smeared all over it. And so I did what we call compound butters, which are flavored butters, but I made it beautiful like it's a cheese board. So why not eat butter instead of cheese? It's the same, you know? I know. <laughs> so that one was a surprising one, even for me, that was just like, ooh, I love this, and I want to share this with people. So. Oh, totally. Yeah, I turned the page on that one. I was like, oh, this was such a good idea. Yeah. But I love to, Tara, how, again, your, whole t- your, your purpose of the book is live life deliciously. And if you think about the most delicious meal that you have as a family each year, you probably think about Thanksgiving. It's probably maybe one of the top three meals. And I think that the beauty of what Tara's talked about and what is so perfectly shared in this book is that you can take, um, you can make every meal kind of like a, a spinoff of Thanksgiving. So like you said, you, you roast that shirt, you roast that chicken and then you can flavor it and use it several ways or the pulled pork or all these things can be used several different ways. I also loved how, when you talked about the sides and I think, I think it's because I caught one of your Instagram lives, but you were talking about the, oh gosh, the, the potatoes. Yeah. The potato. The potato. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the potato gratin, and you talked about how when it comes down to it, you really, a lot of these sides, you can just eat as your meal, especially during the week. Like you were yeah. saying, those, the week, weeknight menu or whatever. Um, again, you don't need to have, when you think of Thanksgiving dinner, it can be snippets of that Thanksgiving dinner. And that's a beautiful meal. It doesn't, you don't need to spend 20 hours, but then if you make a nice dish, then you can have it as leftovers the next day with a beautiful side. And so I think there's just easy ways for you to have these beautiful flavors in a very simple way to be able to enjoy them without a lot of work. I love that. I love that perspective. And I'm just going to show you this um, potato gratin. So it's, it's like what you might make for a Thanksgiving side dish or Christmas meal side dish or a special meal. But, and it looks really fancy, but it's just a potato casserole that instead of like layering the potatoes and the cheese in the casserole dish, I turn them up on their side. Just that little change can make an everyday meal or an everyday side dish look special and amazing. And it, it creates just that whole attitude, right? And, and that is one that I say, hey, eat this with a salad on a Wednesday night. You don't have to wait till Christmas dinner because, yes, this can be part of a bigger dinner or it can just be a nice, simple meal. Absolutely. And I love too how you've taken, like you say, even though you turned the potatoes on their side, it didn't take you any more time to do that. It was just a way of making it a little bit more of a a beautiful experience. And I love that. I love that. It's beautiful. You guys, I'm so excited for each of you to get your books because they're absolutely, woo. (laughs) this this is going to be good. So we are just slowly working our way through the recipes, but um, yeah. So I guess one of my last questions would be, um, wh- what kind of projects do you have on the horizon? And I feel like from what I understand, when you write a book and you actually get through it, <laughs> as crazy as it is, it's really hard not to think about starting another book or another project. So what are some things that we can look forward to in the future? Oh, well, thanks for asking. And Funny enough, I I did sign a two-book deal with my publisher, so I do have one, and it took me about two years to write this book, 
and it will take me another couple years. So in, in about two years, I will have another one out, uh, which seems really far away, but it will go by in a flash. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's on the horizon. I, I'm definitely already starting on that. Um, as well as, so that being said, please direct message me, please email me what you would like to see in the next book. Oh, awesome. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. But, um, so cool. I'm always working on my blog. So the holidays are really big for searching for recipes online. And I have some of my favorites that are on teaspoon.com. And so that is always something I'm working on and, and growing and adding to, yeah. but I'll tell you what, like you said, once you write the book, what's the next project? And I've, this is a learning experience is the, the marketing and the book tour and everything that comes after publishing that book has been like another job. It's, it's a lot of work, but it's been so rewarding and it's different. So I've been doing a lot of TV segments and a lot of uh, Zoom webinars and a lot of virtual appearances because I haven't been able to travel on a book tour this, this year. Thanks 2020, but, um, <laughs> but that's, that's kept me really busy and it's been a lot of fun. And, um, you know, I, I share all of those appearances and all of those things with my email subscribers and on social media. So that's where you can catch up with me, but that's where I'll be for the next couple of months yeah. is still doing book tour. And I love it. I love connecting with people in that way. Um, but that's, that's where I am. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I, I think that one of the, one of the things that really drew me to your recipes, honestly, were the holidays because you have some really special recipes that have to do with holidays. And then of course, I love your idea of, of having these special moments kind of go into your everyday life, but it would be fun to do some sort of like a holiday book, even yeah. if it's not this one at some point, that would be fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely just as a shout out, please, um, subscribe to Tara's email, make sure that you're following her on all your favorite social media places and check out her blog. Make sure you're on there on her website. Um, those are all really, really great places. And we are, I'm, I'm super excited to see what you do next. And I know you're right two years to do another book and yet you're still marketing this one. And so yeah, yeah, it is, yeah. it's, it's a lot of work. And so, um, yeah. Thank you for all you're doing. I, I am curious, um, since you're doing a lot of these things online instead, do you feel like you can, you're doing more appearances because you're available to do it online or do you think that, yeah, I think so. And having never done a traditional book tour, uh, I don't know exactly, but I would think so because typically I would need to travel to different cities um, in order to do new segments or meet with people at bookstores. And now I can have uh, virtual events that are 200 people or, um, you know, pipe in virtually to news stations all over the country and, and I get to talk to them. So it has been fun and I think I've reached um, a lot more people than maybe I would have. So I think it's great. It's, um, it's always fun to hear back from the people that I've reached and what they're doing and, and reading on my website and making out of the book. So it's, yeah, it's, it's fun. Oh, it's awesome. And I think too, it, it's a very good, um, another volume in you <laughs> 
maybe that you didn't necessarily choose to do it, but be, being willing to take a different path, you know, getting your career started off, you took a different path and here you are releasing a book deal during 20, you know, releasing a book during 2020 when everything looks differently. And yet you're taking, yeah. taking the bull by the horns. And <laughs> no, what do you do? Right? I, no, I think it's no. so good. I'm hoping that you're not as tired because you don't have to travel so much. Do you know what I'm saying? Like for me, it takes a little bit out of me. So just being able to get up and I know it still takes energy to, to promote stuff online. At least it does for me, but, um, hopefully just not having to travel to do all these things gives you a little bit of time for yourself so that you can recoup before you do the next one. I don't know. Yeah. I, I would like to say so, but you know, it's, it's funny, um, because everything is virtual. I've had to learn how to set up lights and film my own segments and do all of that. So yeah, there's just, it, there's always something and yes, you have to build in that rest or you totally get burned out, but it's, it's been fun. Oh, well, you're doing awesome. Thank you so much for sharing so much goodness with us today. Thank you for all your advice. You're uplifting. I mean, you just have... I just adore you, Tara. You're just uh, wonderful. And yeah, thank you for thanks. sharing your goodness with everybody. Uh, the feeling is mutual. Thanks for having me. It was so fun to talk to you and, yeah. and do this sort of one-sided catch-up. So I'll have to do it the opposite way next time. But thanks. I know, me. right? Yeah. yeah, we will definitely have to do that. And I think too, um, I would like to see you release a book, not during these circumstances, so that you yeah. can tell us how different it is. If people want to get the book, it's, it's on... Uh, almost every website. So Target, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, of course, um, Deseret Book. And so you can get it anywhere. Yay. And I will put links to all these things in the show notes. So just make sure you check out the show notes and so that you can go ahead and um, get Tara's book and it's going to be awesome. So, and definitely keep in touch and let us know what recipes you're trying. Definitely get on the social media and tell Tara your favorites um, because she needs to know these things. And um, yeah. So thank you again, Tara, for just all your goodness and for sharing today and for helping me in all the unseen ways, but um, you're loved and we sure appreciate you. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you and goodbye to everyone. Have a wonderful day from Tara in New York and me in the Candy Colored Studio. Have a good one.